0: Jesse, hi. How's it going?
1: Katie, I'm feeling particularly grateful today, so I would like to... You, grateful. I know. Not not an emotion I'm used to. I find it a little off-putting, but um, I'd like to return the favor.
0: By making me grateful? What is this trick?
1: Well, I don't want to make you grateful. It's more that ever since I've been imprisoned, where we're not allowed to use Twitter, you have shown me, kept me updated every week on what's going on on Twitter um, you've been doing such a great job keeping me abreast of Twitter nonsense that I want to make sure you've seen the most important content. Uh, I've been able to access Twitter. So please, will you click that first link in the doc and describe what you're seeing?
0: Okay. Clicking, loading.
1: Thank you for narrating the loading, clicking and loading part.
0: Loading. Okay. This is an account called Wall Street Silver. Yep. It is verified. So you know it's important. It's notable. I am seeing early signs of a bear market in housing prices. <laughs> <laughs> it's a video of somebody driving down a street and there are bears, two bears in a driveway doing it. Doggy style? It appears to be doggy style.
1: Berry style.
0: Berry style. Is there audio with this with this with this that so we can embed or is this just uh
1: just the visuals? Well, there's really riveting audio of um car noises. So Okay. That's good enough. Anyway, click the next one. Tell me just read that one to me. <laughs>
0: can I tell you first? So so Moose is um he's not like too horny but he's like a little bit horny because he still has his balls just
1: just horny enough
0: just horny enough and his best friend bruce moose attempts to do what these bears are doing all the time but he never actually like makes contact when he's humping bruce so he does this thing we call air humping you can imagine what it is
1: (laughs) is it like grind like grinding on the dance floor or less contact than that
0: it's it's humping like a dog humping but just the air
1: but that's why what like (laughs) what gratification does moose get out of it
0: none it makes me laugh Okay, I'm clicking the next link. Okay, this is a New York Post uh, tweet,
1: and they've got a little gold check next to them. I wonder is that what does that mean? That
0: means super double verified. That's <laughs> when you pay thousand dollars a month to get verified, and I'm not kidding about that. It's a thousand dollars a month.
1: I totally thought you were kidding about that. No. Why would the New York? Po- oh, do you think Elon gave it to the New York Post? There's no way the New York Post would agree to pay a thousand dollars a month to be verified.
0: This is the, so it's this the yellow the yellow check is this like organizational verification. And once you get that, you can verify your entire staff. I was thinking about, instead of paying you your, your $1,000 for the month, I was thinking about uh, getting that for the blocked and reported account. Is that okay with you?
1: Wait, I got a, ra- I got a raise to $1,000.
0: <laughs> okay. Anyway, the tweet reads, we're conjoined twins and share a vagina, but only one of us has a boyfriend, Jesse. No,
1: no. This is what's been going on on Twitter.
0: Oh my God! There's photos. This appears to be real, unless it's some sort of AI thing. These poor, poor women. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure about the boyfriend though. Is that like good for him or not? Very difficult. Katie, well. there was a book about about conjoined twins, Chang and Eng, or what used to be known as Siamese twins. They were they were the reason that they're called Siamese twins because they are from Siam. And they, I think, they only had well, they might have had two dicks. Anyway, they married sisters,
1: non conjoined sisters.
0: Non-conjoined sisters, yes, but they were they like you did have to be physically present while the other one was having sex. And they did have a bunch of children. There's a So they fucked.
1: <laughs> Unlike Moose, they fucked. Unlike Moose. There's Ms. a lot of human experiences that are hard to imagine. That's one where I just I I draw a blank. <sighs> I can sort of imagine myself in all sorts of wacky situations. But as a Siamese twin, who would you – if you had to be a Siamese twin with someone, who would you be? Would you would it be Jana, your wife? Would it be Moose? Ugh. Would it be me?
0: It both would be hor- – it would definitely not be you. I mean all of, all of these options are terrible. I need a lot of alone time. Yeah, it that's would, why. I I'd, I'd probably – honestly, it would probably end up being a, a murder-suicide situation with whoever <laughs> I was conjoined with. If I'm an actual twin. It definitely wouldn't be my
1: twin. <laughs> Katie, what is the name of this increasingly perverted podcast? This is Blocked
0: and Reported, and I'm Katie Herzog,
1: and I'm Jesse Single. And uh, this week we're going to talk about a very hard to describe TikTok outrage, and we're also going to talk about the latest developments in the Jamie Reed whistleblower case. Couple things before that, uh, one of which is pretty sad, but I want to kind of talk about something sad for thirty seconds, one minute. I guess. There's this guy I uh, knew named Connor Skelding. He was a journalist who lived in Brooklyn, and uh, he died, and it's pretty bad. He was 31. He died of pancreatic cancer. Sort of came on out of nowhere, and I don't know. I just want to... I I didn't know him that well. I hung out with him a few times, always in group settings. He just seemed like a really solid dude. I met his fiancée. They got married like when it was clear he was dying um, a month or two ago. So, yeah, I just hope Connor, Skelding's friends and family are doing okay. It's like, I don't know, it's easy to take shit for granted, the kind of stuff we complain about day to day, especially you. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I live very much in the moment. I never complain. You complain a lot. But the idea of like, I don't know, shit like that happens. Someone just gets diagnosed with cancer out of nowhere, being young and healthy, and then they die. So, uh, I don't know. What should we do with that information?
0: Uh, We should... Settle our business agreements, so, so that if one of us dies, <laughs> which I've been trying to do for weeks now, so that if one of us dies, um, my wife isn't left destitute. Let's talk about that after the show.
1: You you have had this like real <laughs> okay, and and serious part because that was serious, and and it's horrible what happened to Connor. You've had this real fixation lately. <laughs> on what if one of us dies yeah. and what should we do about the finances that honestly makes me think I'm at the start of like a really <laughs> bad murder mystery movie where I die a quarter of the way through. If you just look, keep peppering me with questions, what are we going to do if you die? What are we going to do if you die? I expect look, you're going to die soon. What are we going to do? I'm
0: not worried about you dying. If you dying, I've got a plan. What I'm worried about is me dying. I haven't basically, I have a doctor's appointment for the first time in a long time. And I'm worried that they're going to take one look at me and be like, get your affairs in order. <laughs> So anyway, we need to uh, get that business agreement settled.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, you immediately – right. I feel bad that this immediately went into more shtick. But, um, yeah, this isn't Connor shtick. Skilding, we need
0: to get it settled.
1: Connor Skelding, a good guy. Uh, rest in peace and all that. Uh, people can Google him. I'll leave a link to the uh, obituary in the show notes. Let's move on. I just want to read a couple responses to our last episode, which was a somewhat skeptical take on Ed Yong's latest article about long COVID – One listener wrote in who was pretty unhappy with us, uh, so let me read that. I listened to this one and it was discouraging. I am a somewhat recent subscriber and did so because I really appreciated some critical thinking applied to sacred cows, the rejection of quote-unquote team sports in so many discourses right now, the courage to question what is too easy to accept by us liberals, not to mention what we are being bullied into accepting. So I guess I have to swallow it when you point all of that at Ed Young. I am as confused as anyone about COVID and how much we don't know and are still figuring out. I agree with Jesse's concern at the heart of his, his argument with Ed Young's piece, but really? with everything out there right now, this is what you aimed your courage at to begin with. If you're going to introduce Ed young, you might mention the sabbatical he is on because of what he refers to as the toll of his work on COVID, which led to his Pulitzer. I mean, since you both went at the Pulitzer with plenty of snark over and over, it wasn't really that funny the first time you snarked at it and wouldn't have been even if either of you had one of your own, which we don't, although you came close a couple times, right? Oh
0: yeah, definitely. Uh,
1: Pulitzer for NB phobia. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, when, then, whether or not COVID, long COVID is a thing, if it is early days to know, then it is early days to dismiss it. Katie was at least a little bit sympathetic to the reality of trying to explain vague and multiple symptoms to a doctor and the subsequent problem in good faith for both the doctor and patient. Twelve years ago, I didn't have any of the famous warning signs of cancer, but I told my doctor I felt like a switch on my energy had been pressed down, and if I could get the switch back on, I'd feel better. Nothing big, nothing specific, nothing more articulate than that. Good thing she went with it, passed me to another doctor who continued with it, and passed me on to another doctor who diagnosed stage four cancer. Oh, God. I was, quote unquote, lucky.
0: Okay, wait, 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 wait. I I don't want to interrupt you, but having less energy is a symptom of stage four cancer?
1: Well, let's get to that for a minute. That's actually an interesting question.
0: I'm getting very worried right now.
1: I mean, don't get me started, dude. I can't move. I was, quote-unquote, lucky. And I'm glad I overcame feeling stupid and inarticulate and kept with it until we could get to real evidence, as opposed to my lived experience, snark, snark. And onward to treatment, and I'm grateful to say recovery. So, just, I'm really disappointed and much less enthused about your podcast. Concerning all things COVID, I'm so sick of Team Minimizer. Um, Okay, a couple things. First of all, I don't... I, I feel like that was... Overstating how much we denied that long COVID was a thing. I feel like we we're pretty clear that long COVID seems to be a thing for some people, right?
0: Yeah. Apparently, um, bisexuals in particular. Did you see this latest study? No. I sent you this like four times. Okay. It turns out the CDD- CDC has.
1: I was busy dodging <laughs> your hitmen.
0: <laughs> the CDC has done some polling on, uh, on long COVID. And according to this latest CDC data, and according to this latest data, over 22 percent of respondents who are bisexual also have long COVID.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay. that's Why would bisexual people be more likely? I feel like you're derailing us, but that is interesting.
0: I I am derailing us, but isn't that interesting? It is interesting. So bisexuals, gays and lesbians, also more likely to have long COVID, 17.2%. And then, uh, this is as of of February, and then straights, the heterosexuals, 14.1%.
1: We're super healthy. I bet that this is just that same way of asking where you count anyone who has any of like myriad symptoms as having long COVID. But
0: Yeah. Um, Transgender twenty three so you're even more likely to have it if you're trans. The population least likely to have long COVID. What would you what would you guess?
1: Not Jews, because we're sickly. Um population <laughs> least likely. I mean, gamers don't go outside and they're opposed to like no. okay, not gamers. I don't know. What who is it?
0: Cisgender males. Ten point nine versus 18.2% of cisgender females 23.5% transgender which I think I find this interesting I'm sorry I did derail this, but I do find this interesting because it's interesting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> completely you're basically you're you're saying something that doesn't really connect to what you're talking about <laughs> but it's just provocative enough that someone will take it the long way yeah. wrong way possibly the person where, who's thoughtful if a little, a little bit irate, email we're responding to. Yeah. So you're combining not <laughs> contributing any substance with chumming the waters for angry people who yeah. are riddled with long COVID.
0: I just want to know if this person is bisexual. That's what I want to know.
1: Well, okay, I'll respond to it. Um, The thing she talked about was obviously really scary. Surviving stage four cancer is not easy to do. It it like So if you're really tired and you have these nonspecific symptoms and you turn out to have cancer, sure, that might happen, but also our whole point was a lot of people have these symptoms for a lot of different reasons. So to me, the counter example is like, let's say that she had found her way to an online chronic Lyme community. A lot of chronic Lyme people, people who think they have chronic Lyme, it's because they're really tired and they find the wrong online community. That becomes part of their identity. We talked about Molly Fisher's article. So if this woman, our correspondent, found her way to that community and found her way to a quack chronic Lyme doctor, injecting her with God knows what for a thousand dollars a week mm-hmm. that would kill her. Cause the cancer would have gone undetected. Like there's different ways this can go. And I'm obviously thankful it worked out for this person, but like that example doesn't really prove the general point that if you have nonspecific symptoms, your doctor's not necessarily doing you any favors by, you know, just assuming your self diagnosis is accurate. And in this case, she didn't have, a, I, I don't know. I just, thought that was an interesting story
0: um yeah there is one thing that that you said on the podcast and i sort of agreed to probably because i wasn't listening to you that closely that i sort of regretted when i was editing the show and listened to it later um you said something about doctors it's not the doctor's job to believe symptoms and i think that was so i think that was just phrased sort of inartfully yeah you see what I mean? Like I do think doctors need to believe people. You need to hashtag believe patients. Yeah. Uh, maybe not their self diagnoses. If, do- if if doctors believe believed all of my self diagnoses, I would have gone through chemo and radiation fifteen times already because I am constantly afraid that I have cancer myself.
1: The the vast majority of people who come into a doctor's office and say I have bad headaches have bad headaches. Hardly anyone is like making it up. Yeah, I did. I might have phrased that in our. Is program.
0: there a headache TikTok?
1: Ugh, i wouldn't be surprised at this point um yeah. yeah there's always a small fraction of people who are like a little bit crazy and and fabricating symptoms but most people who say they have a headache have a headache they experience a headache yeah doctors should believe patients in terms of taking their symptoms seriously but i have a headache cuz of um 5g no, right, you're not doing the patient any favors by being like, okay, let's treat you for 5G poisoning.
0: Right, it's also probably coming from the plastics in your in your food.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all. Let's see. I think we all eat a credit card's worth of. <laughs> I found that stats. Whatever. I don't even know if it's a real stat, but it's just so low key disturbing. Just I don't know. I hate thinking about that. What's shit. that? Bisexuals. Yeah, bisexuals. No, bisexuals <laughs> have 20 pounds of plastic in their gut. That?
0: <laughs> no, that no what's that are you talking about
1: there's like a stat that every day or week i don't remember we we eat a credit card's worth of plastic because it's oh really yeah. you weren't making that up i shouldn't tell this to a hypochondriac
0: no you shouldn't i love plastic so that's fine with me i really enjoyed the taste i'm eating some right now
1: anyway just to our correspondent um yeah I, we didn't mean to come off as insensitive. we're very glad you you got better from your cancer but i i I don't know how much we actually disagree because it sounds like you also think uh, there's some uncertainty here about long COVID. Here's another email we got more sympathetic to our argument and more critical of Ed Young. Quote, I think Ed is a very good essayist and he's used his perch to elevate public health problems. I also hesitate to criticize him. Blah, blah, blah. but I think Jesse's on to something about how Ed engages with data. For instance, Ed had a 2021 article premised around the idea that, quote, one in five health workers has left medicine since the pandemic started. Katie, that would be a crazy stat, right? If 20% of all medical workers fled medicine because things were so bad on the ground during early COVID? Yeah, absolutely. This correspondent points out that the this article led the Atlantic's homepage for a day or two. And it, I, I, I checked the archive page. We'll put a link to it. Um, it says... Quote, I think I'm done. About one in five healthcare workers has left medicine since the pandemic started. This is their story and the story of those left behind. Um, the correspondent argues this is fairly misleading. And if you dig into the polling, um, Katie, look at the notes. Uh, see, Go down to morningconsult.com and see that graphic there. Just read, Just read the top of that chart.
0: Pandemic is a top reason medical workers were laid off or quit since early 2020. Subhead, healthcare workers said the following reasons are why they quit or were laid off since mid-February 2020. And then 54% said COVID-19 pandemic.
1: But then read the next two.
0: And then 50% said wanted more money or better benefits. And then 50% said found a better opportunity. How many percents are in this chart? So these people were given
1: – Multiple options. They were
0: allowed to, to give multiple reasons.
1: Yeah. and And the point is if you dig into this data – this suggests that some people left cuz being in healthcare was too difficult they just couldn't handle it but some found a better opportunity or had had the leverage to seek more money or better benefits so um the point is it's just it's not true that one in 5 medical workers left medicine cuz of covid this was like on the front page of the atlantic
0: is it true that one in 5 medical workers left the profession period
1: no it's just false. They left their particular job often to go to another job in the same field.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean, I know just anecdotally, because my wife works in medicine, a bunch of her coworkers left to go travel nurse because travel nurses were making tons more money than
1: staff. That's the example yeah. I was thinking of when I read this. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Like it, 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 so, you know, it, um, it's just misleading and I'll include links. There's something called Becker's hospital review that talks about like one in five healthcare workers have quit. Where have they gone? Uh, And I read Ed Young's story, and it just leaves all this stuff out. Like, he clearly looked closely at the survey because he cited other aspects of it, but there's just no grappling with the fact that, like, yeah, it was a really bad situation, but it also probably opened up some opportunities for things like travel nurses. So This
0: is the sort of stuff, like, obviously, he needs to be more careful, but this is the sort of stuff that a good editor should
1: should check,
0: yeah. yeah, should catch.
1: Yeah, like, I mean, you're constantly, most of our episodes, often apropos of nothing, you'll cite a statistic about... The Holocaust and like how many people died, how many camps there were. That's like made up and I just have to edit it out. That's my role. Or bisexuals, bisexuals in COVID, long COVID. Or, b- or bisexuals in the Holocaust.
0: Yeah. <laughs> bisexuals were, I don't know if you know this, but bisexuals were the first people who were rounded up in the camps.
1: Mm-hmm. I've heard differing accounts about who was most affected. Uh, Trans, we'll number teach, one. Te- number two. Teach the controversy.
0: Furries, number three. Uh, <laughs>
1: Always feel free to email us uh, feedback. We like to to, to read your emails, Blotchreportedpodcast at gmail.com. I do think Ed Young should just be more careful. I think it's a bit of a pattern that he miscommunicates on some of these studies.
0: Yeah. And I think it was inevitable that we would get a lot of pushback from that because, of course, we have people in our audience who are experiencing long COVID. It's not uncommon. Um and I think that there the tension there is, and and Ed Young sort of gets to this in his in his piece is that for those of us who don't have long COVID, for whom to for whom life has really really has returned to normal, we're not masking anymore, we're going to gatherings. Well, I'm You're going, to, going gatherings.
1: to gatherings. <laughs> what do okay. you mean? I'm just the same you Fine. openly admit that you don't do anything.
0: <laughs> hey, I went to a women's retreat last week. Hello.
1: What is that? What is a woman?
0: It's. It was, it was one of Megan Daum's uh, retreats, which was actually quite fun. I, I recommend it for any uh, vagina havers in the audience. I'll
1: go. Can I come?
0: No, no, oh. no. Your, your vagina is too big. Audi. Uh, it's an outie, yeah. Um. You know, I can see that this would be that for – like if you are suffering from this illness, the fact that so much of the world really has moved on has got to be immensely frustrating. But – on the other hand, there are like there's this group of people who want perma masking, you know, but the data that we have, as far as I know, shows that the ma this like paper mask or the fucking handkerchief around your face that everybody was wearing for a year or two didn't work. And so there's this this, you know, there's some population and, and I see a lot of them on Twitter who just sort of are insistent that if you're not willing to, for instance, wear a mask, you're killing people. And that is also, you know. Masks sucked. They really sucked. They sucked for people who have breathing problems. They sucked for kids in kindergarten who were learning to read. They sucked for people with hearing problems.
1: People like me who can't read social cues.
0: Yes. They sucked for people who just don't want to smell their breath all the time. Masks mm-hmm. sucked. They really did. Like
1: That's why we railed against masks from the beginning. Right. If you go back to our earlier work. Yeah.
0: Right. You know, and wearing it in 95, it also sucked. It sucked even more. And so there's this, you know, there's this, this, this natural tension here between people who want to return to the sort of hi- heightened protocols and people who just don't because it feels like it's over. So it's an interesting sociological phenomenon that's going on right now. And I do, I sympathize with absolutely everybody involved. <laughs> that's,
1: Did you believe that? That's not true, no. Literally, everyone involved here is correct. Moving on. Uh, Katie, you said you had some bad news for me.
0: I did have some bad news for you, Jesse. I know that you have definitely not been lying onto the BarPod account to uh, check Twitter, but I fortunately am still on Twitter, so I was there to see that someone thinks you're full of shit.
1: Someone thinks I'm full of shit? Me? The least full of shit guy on these streets. You
0: are so full of shit, it's bubbling out of your mouth at, all at any given time. Okay, yes. Ryan Cooper. There's an image. Managing editor of the American Prospect. He tweeted this. Jesse Single and Barry Weiss are completely full of shit, WashU says. And he posted a link to an article from KansasCity.com. Uh, respond?
1: <laughs> he got me. <laughs> the only person more full of shit than me is Barry Weiss. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I... Um, yeah, I mean, I guess we should revisit this Jamie Reed stuff a little bit. That's what it's about. This latest chapter is a little bit tiring and a little bit revealing. I'm so tired, y'all. Maybe it's long COVID. Um, yeah, Cooper's pointing to an article in the Kansas City Star. It's one of a handful published in the last week or so, responding to the Washington University Transgender Center Internal Review Summary of Conclusions, or if you you know take all the first letters, what's your sock? What's your What's your sock? That's nice ring to it. Rolls off the tongue. Uh, Katie, how much of this fucking story do I need to refresh everyone? Can we just point people to the old episodes?
0: No, unfortunately, I think you need to at least give the like 30 second version because every time that we put out a new show, we have new listeners.
1: Jamie Reed was like, "Okay, okay." Jamie Reed was a case manager at the Washington University Transgender Center. She came forward in a sworn affidavit uh, with all these accusations. She also wrote a column for Barry Weiss's website, just saying that they were doing a terrible job with kids at this transgender center, uh, youth gender clinic, subpar care, side effects, not really, um, you know, warning people about uh, what could happen to them if things go wrong. So a lot of accusations. We'll include links in the show notes. We
0: did a 17 um, part series about this. So everybody stop now and go no, back. That and was couples. Oh, that was couples.
1: Yeah. Um. Okay, so what happened is the hospital investigated itself and found that it is innocent of all accusations. Okay,
0: I guess that wraps this up.
1: Yep, they they did it. Uh, no, so it won't surprise anyone. This was another frustrating moment for me with regard to how journalists write and tweet about this story. The problem isn't just Ryan Cooper, who, to be clear, is both a giant goober and a rube, or a ruber, is that a new word? hmm Yep is a goo is a goober a rube by definition
0: i'm gonna have to check urban dictionary for that one Mm
1: -hmm. um so the problem isn't just giant rube and goober ryan Cooper, but rather like the lack of basic competence and uh skepticism in covering the story so the washington university transgender center internal review comma summary of conclusion what's your sock i'll just call it the summary of conclusions it's a four-page document the first sentence of the conclusions Section reads After careful consideration over the course of a more than eight week period, the university has concluded that allegations of substandard care causing adverse outcomes for patients at the center are unsubstantiated. Cool. But a couple things. First, the document contains basically no details about how the Washington University and St. Louis Children's Hospital structured this investigation or why they're confident in their findings. They also didn't interview Jamie Reed herself um and Jamie Reed and her lawyers have said we're happy to talk to them if they want to talk to us. It's a little bit unclear like how could they could investigate this thoroughly without talking to the person who leveled the accusations? That's one thing. Second thing, if you read the document closely, not only does it not really debunk Reed's precise claims, it actually validates several of them. This was pointed out in a couple of press releases Reed's lawyers uh published and Reed sent to me. Uh, these press releases were where the lawyers were like, yeah, Jamie would be happy to talk to you if she's invited. She hasn't been. Uh, so let me just give one example. Here's paragraph 48 from Jamie Reed's affidavit. Other centers who prescribe cross-sex hormones and puberty blockers require parents to issue written consent. Several times I asked the doctors to require written consent. They repeatedly refused. The entire time I worked there, the center had no written informed consent and none that was provided to or signed by patients. Do you get what that do you get what that means? Yeah, but I
0: do have to pause there to ask you one more question. Do you know how to pronounce the word written? What did I say? You say it written. Written. Like with a D.
1: Written. 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 Yes,
0: Yes. You say it like Kyle Ridden house.
1: D- noted. <laughs> I will say noted American <laughs> hero. Friend of the pop? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, continue. So, but you, you understand her claim here is that uh, she thinks they should have written consent before... Kids go on these uh, treatments and the ho- she's claiming the hospital has not done that. You got that?
0: Yes, I got
1: that. Read that paragraph from the internal review in the notes.
0: While appropriate parental consent has been obtained verbally and documented in the medical record, the additional protocols recommended by the Oversight Committee for documenting parental consent to ensure a consistent process is followed by all staff and physicians who interact with patients under 18 should be made permanent. That's quite a sentence. Specifically, the university has decided to take the additional step of requiring specific written consent prior to prescribing gender-affirming medications, the university has reviewed the consenting process and has made updates to the center's protocol. Okay, so they didn't require written consent.
1: They're just they're confirming Jamie Reed's allegation. Now, there's a whole other can of worms here in terms of which procedures should and shouldn't require informed consent and what that consent should look like. Um, we don't. It's complicated.
0: Wait, you just said informed consent rather than written. Does that matter?
1: Yeah. So in it, it, right. So. Informed consent is like a concept in medicine that someone, A, consents to something and B, really makes an informed decision about it, like they've been informed of uncertainties in the research, research or side effects and so on. Uh, written consent means you sign a form that explicitly lists that out. The hospital claims it got verbal consent. Whether or not that was sufficient would be depend a lot on how the doctors and psychologists and everyone explain this to the kids and their parents. If you have a written document where you're like you have to read this, this says exactly what the side effects could be blah blah blah, that might be a sturdier form of written consent.
0: God, every time you say that word I think of Kyle R- 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 R-
1: I know. <laughs> there isn't there isn't a clear answer on exactly when you need written versus verbal informed consent, but the point is like she was telling the truth here. The hospital admitted that. Um so In the press release, um, Reed's lawyers also point out that the hospital seems to confirm Reed's claim about sloppiness with regard to custody. Who has custody over a kid and who can therefore consent to them being seen at the clinic and their their medical procedures and so on? So here's Reed in her affidavit, and then I'll ask you to read the conclusions uh, document. Affidavit. The center was also intentionally blind about who had legal authority to consent. I wanted the center to ask parents before the first visits about and request copies of custody agreements because custody agreements often spell out who among divorced parents must consent to medical procedures. I was told not to ask for custody agreements because, quote, if we have the custody agreement, we have to follow it, end quote. So, Katie, read just that uh, those two sentences from the investigation.
0: The center has adopted a process of requiring a family to provide custody agreements before an initial visit at the center by a patient under age 18. Prior practice had been to obtain the custody agreement before medical intervention in cases where decision-making authority was in question.
1: So again, they're agreeing with her claim. Her claim was that a patient could start being seen at the clinic without it being entirely clear whose custody they were under and which parent had decision-making authority. The center is implicitly saying, yeah, we did not check that before kids started being seen at the clinic. So again, this doesn't seem to really debunk what she was saying if you actually read what she said closely. Um, There's also a pretty basic important dispute over numbers here. In the document, the hospital's like, we had this many patients over this span. Reed's team claims that they're vastly underestimating what that number is. Reed's team is claiming that they're distorting the percentage of kids who actually went on blockers or hormones. We don't need to get into that. You can just read the press releases. You'll see the exact numbers. Um, here's one of the more disturbing parts. Katie, read that this one more sentence from the Summary of Conclusions.
0: Interviews with center providers in a review of medical records identified no patients who had adverse physical reactions caused by medications prescribed by center providers.
1: Okay, now read this excerpt from an NBC News article by Joe Yurkuba, who we've mentioned before, they're a very activisty journalist who, unfortunately, NBC has given this beat to them.
0: Kate Hensley, who uses they and she pronouns and worked at the Center from August 2020 to May 2021 as part of getting their master's in social work at Washington University, said they reported directly to Reed dot dot dot. They said they could identify some cases Reed described in her affidavit, but that Reed misunderstood or misinterpreted them. For example, Hensley said they remember the medical team discussing a situation Reed describes in her affidavit in which a patient experienced vaginal lacerations after having sex while on testosterone, which can cause thinning of the vaginal tissue. But Hensley didn't want to discuss it in detail because it is private patient information.
1: How does that excerpt compare with the excerpt from the review saying we're not aware of any adverse physical reactions from any of our patients.
0: Okay, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. I mean, it it if the if the investigation didn't find any patients with adverse physical reactions, they must not have been looking very hard or they didn't interview the correct people or possibly they interviewed this Kate Hensley person and this Kate Hensley person didn't bring up this particular case.
1: I mean, whatever whatever it is, there's now two clinicians, Jamie Reed former clinicians, Jamie Reed and this Kate Hensley person, saying that this one patient at least had adverse physical effects. So how can the hospital publish a document saying we're not aware of any adverse effect? I mean, I, I don't really understand this. So um, I mean it
0: shows that it, they did not do a very comprehensive review. If
1: they didn't they didn't interview Jamie Reed. If they'd interview Jamie Reed, Reed could have pointed them to this this patient who she mentioned in the affidavit. Right. Um Okay, so Actually, I'm going to ask you to read one last bit from the university's findings, and I'll explain it, That we can move on. Can you can you just read that? In
0: addition to recommendations directly related to the allegations, the university also determined in the course of its review that there is an opportunity to be more intentional about public engagement on the topics of gender dysphoria and transgender care. University will review its procedures for engaging with members of the community, particularly as it pertains to guidance provided to local school administrators and educators.
1: Do you have any idea what that means?
0: No. I mean, it sounds like they realize that they have done a bad job communicating. I don't know.
1: So you read this and you get a sense that the the Transgender Center is changing some policy, but it's so vague you have no idea what they're talking about and they don't provide any details. I asked Jamie Reed what she thinks it's about. Is um, She pointed me to a Fox News article That was about the following chain of events. Uh, School district is in contact with the Transgender Center. They're trying to get advice. Some of their kids have lost consciousness due to binding their breasts. They have passed out. Jesus. They asked the clinic, should the parents be informed the kids are breast binding? Sarah Garwood, head of the Transgender Center, uh, co-founder and co-head of the Transgender Center, says, no, don't tell the parents. So don't tell the parents that the kids passed out or don't tell the parents that kids are like, how do you, you, you can't tell them they passed out because that'll reveal they're unbinding, they're binding. Oh and that, so whatever you think about this broader question of when kids' gender concerns should be disclosed and we've talked about it, and I think it's genuinely complicated. Imagine not telling parents that their children passed out at school, that they lost consciousness. I think the average person, the average human would be very disturbed by that. So Mm -hmm. the hospital seems to be covering up something like very controversial with layer after layer of vagueness and corporate speak, which does not suggest transparency on the hospital's part. So that's what Reed thinks that paragraph is about. I think it matches actually pretty exactly because they're talking about our outreach and educational stuff. We can't know for sure. I reached out to Washi with two specific questions, first about that vague language and whether it was about to buy anything, and second about how they can be so sure there were no adverse physical effects when they missed the vaginal laceration thing. Two of their former staffers said happened. I didn't hear back. They also didn't respond to your Cuba either. So I don't think I think they've just embraced a blanket policy of not responding to reporters, regardless of where those reporters are coming from. But um this was not a debunking of what Jamie Reed said. I think people just need to like be willing to have a little bit of patience. And if you're like if you're someone like Ryan Cooper, who's a hack and who has very strong feelings on this but no knowledge about it, you should just just shut up for a little bit until like, we have more information and not respond to every new thing that comes out as though Reed has been discredited, even though your whole goal here is to destroy her for Twitter points. That's my read. Maybe it's not charitable.
0: No, I think you're right about this. The problem is that, so this is the university investigating itself, right? So you can see clear bias here. I don't think that we should discount the investigation because it has conclusions we don't agree with or just because it came from the university. I think that impulse is is dishonest. That said-
1: I do think we should, I think, all else being equal, our prior should be that if an institution investigates itself, sure. we shouldn't take that as seriously as... I'm going to get to some complexity here in a minute, but we shouldn't take that as seriously as a truly independent investigation.
0: Well, here's what's going to happen. People who hate you and hate Barry and hate Jamie Reed. Are going to see this, and they're going to say, "Look, this is proof that Jesse is full of shit, Barry's full of shit, Jamie Reed's full of shit." And at the same time, people who think that there are real issues with caring for gender dysphoric kids or kids who say they're gen- gender dysphoric or trans, they're going to say, "And I saw this happening on Twitter. You know, discount this because this is a university investigating itself. You can't trust it." At the same time, if the the state of Missouri, which is conducting their own investigation, when they come back with their Summary of findings or whatever, and they find that that there is wrongdoing and even I don't know malpractice. You're going to have the reverse phenomenon where people who are on Team Jesse and Team Jamie Reed are cheering that one, and people who aren't say, "No, this was this is biased because it came from came came from the state of Missouri."
1: I don't even like being lumped in like that. I'm not on Team Jamie Reed. I've said like I because of my other. But this is how it's going to be perceived. But the problem is. It, it the situation is so fucked and so politicized. So there's there's multiple investigations underway. There's the Missouri AG, the Missouri Department of Social Services, um, and there's also the the something called the Board of Healing Arts within the Department of Commerce and Insurance. There's multiple investigations. Here's the thing. Um Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey clearly sees this as a political issue. It's like a fight against wokeness that can benefit him because he has an election mm-hmm. in early 2025. He's AG because he was appointed. Um, The old AG became a senator. So why should we trust his investigation? I mean, it's so bad that there's like nobody in this we can just fully trust to get to the bottom of what happened. Bailey just put out this ridiculous policy, uh, unilaterally restricting access to gender medicine for all Missourians, regardless of their age. And... You might be asking, like, how can a state attorney general do that? And the answer is just, like, America is dumb. He just – executives have this weird random power. He announced an emergency regulation on the basis of, like, anti-fraud concerns. Um, If this is followed and held up in court, it will basically be hard for anyone to get access to transition care in Missouri. So this whole thing is incredibly fucked, and almost everyone involved is a political actor of one sort or another, including Jamie Reed's lawyers who are conservatives, I presume, because who the what fucking liberal lawyer in their right mind in 2023 would take on a case like this. So um, it's so bad that this really important issue has been this politicized. And I don't think anyone is going to trust any findings from anyone that don't support their priors. And I think there's some some reason not to trust it.
0: Sure, definitely. So I wanna I wanna pause on this uh, this Missouri law for a second. So this, if you read on Twitter, uh, what you're gonna read is that Missouri has banned transgender care for for both minors and adults. That's not actually true, right? Can you explain a little bit about the details of the law?
1: So yeah, this was um, there's a headline from CNN. Wednesday day before we recorded Missouri judge temporary blocks limits on gender affirming care for trans youth and adults from going into effect. We don't know how this is going to work its way through the courts, but Bailey's ideas like they're very restrictive. They would in effect, I think ban it if, if providers actually had to follow them, you're talking about things like proving someone has had consistent gender dysphoria for three years. That's hard to do. If someone's on medicine that treats their gender dysphoria effectively, they're going to have less symptoms. So, I don't know how you could even let someone stay on hormones, for example, if you're following this to the letter. There's also like weird stuff where you have to prove kids aren't, don't have in- social media addiction. That's not even a DSM condition. How do you prove someone isn't addicted to social media? There's stuff where you have to like prove there isn't social contagion. It's written in a way. There's versions of this where, whatever the issue is about, like who has authority to make it, it would be hard to complain about. If he's just like, kids need to have a comprehensive, thorough assessment over three appointments, that would be one thing. He went well beyond that. And I do think it's not a ban. That's true. It's not a ban. People shouldn't call it a ban. I think if it actually had force of law, it would be pretty close to a ban in practice.
0: Okay. One of the stipulations here of this emergency order is that patients have to have at least 18 months of therapy with a psychologist or a psych psych psychiatrist before receiving puberty blockers or surgeries. I'm quoting from the New York times here. What do you think about that? That to me sounds onerous, but it also, I mean, it's kind of sounds sensible.
1: Yeah. Um, no, I just think, I think it is too onerous. So the way it's written, uh, the patient has to get 15 separate hourly sessions, at least 10 of which are with the same therapist over the course of not fewer than 18 months. Um, and this is for adults and kids.
0: I think that for kids to me that sounds fine. For adults maybe not, but for kids that to me sounds fine. I think that you should really have to demonstrate that you have persistent gender dysphoria over a long period of time. I mean also, however, they should also make healthcare easier to get, which in Missouri I don't think they have.
1: Well, I mean it's just yeah. I I, I there's other parts of this that I'm more worked up over. Um but fifteen separate hourly sessions over not fewer than 18 months. I don't know. I think that's probably too long a process. I think we should have comprehensive assessments. I think they're really important. I think it just seems arbitrary and, and too onerous. But there's other parts of this that I think are worse.
0: Well, you did write the law, so do better, Jesse.
1: Yeah. But I mean, people keep forgetting that until my 2018 Atlanta story, uh, Republicans love the LGBT community. Well known for it. Until I, re- I wrote that article. Until I wrote that article headlined Why Republicans Just Start Hating Trans People, Blah, blah, blah. Katie, should we do housekeeping? <laughs> Let's do it. We're Blocked to reported. We're a podcast. Uh, you can email us at blocked to reported podcast at gmail.com. You can check out our Reddit, blocked to reported Hey, uh,
0: speaking of the Reddit, somebody on the subreddit somehow found my freshman year high school yearbook photo.
1: Hell yeah. I saw that. How? I saw that.
0: Does that mean that? Yeah, they doxed me. Does that mean that somebody I went to high school with? listen to our podcast or can you find those somewhere is there a repository for embarrassing yearbook photos somewhere
1: the photo screams lesbian extremely low-level weed dealer who gets caught <laughs> as soon as they start dealing weed like the first ta- like the first person you approach to try to sell weed is just like the chief of police and that's it and it derails your high school career
0: and the weed might yeah. also be oregano uh stolen from uh, your parents pantry mm-hmm.
1: um Yeah, so good job. Keep uh, subreddit. Keep trying to dig up all the dirt you can on Katie so we can use use it against her in future negotiations because she is trying to kill me. (laughs) Uh, Barpodmerch.com for our merch. What else, Katie? Oh, uh, you should become a primo. Blockedreporter.org for uh, a very, very modest fee you can become a primo and you'll get three extra episodes a month. One of which we're recording tomorrow. Uh, be part of an incredible community of like 11,500 people. I don't know how the fuck we got there, mm-hmm. um, but it's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah. Best comment section that's in the game. It's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. Best comment section in the game. Uh, anything else, Katie? I think that's it. Katie, when is the last time you went to a baseball game?
0: Oh, like an official baseball game? Or, like a uh, playing what, what's uh, an
1: unofficial baseball game?
0: You know, just like playing ball with your boys. I'm
1: just finding some local neighborhood kids
0: yeah i do that every day with fruit <laughs> i pick them up in my van
1: <laughs> kids hey get over here we're playing sports get in my van
0: um it has been a long time since i went to a baseball game i was probably i don't know 10 went to a atlanta can we say the b word
1: bitch the atlanta bitches, <laughs> the,
0: atlanta bitches. the atlanta braves i went to a, a braves game when i was a kid
1: don't give me a little tomahawk chop.
0: i'm doing it right now
1: oh without sound that's how plausible deniability yeah. If you did go to a baseball game, how many selfie videos would you post to TikTok?
0: I would just record the whole thing and post the whole thing. <laughs> Can you do long form video on
1: TikTok? I have no idea. I've never used TikTok and I never will. The latest deranged blow up in the world of public shaming comes to us from the heart of America's favorite pastime. That's really not true anymore. Used to be. I, I don't think ratings are good. A little sport. What's, the,
0: what's America's favorite pastime now? Internet? Gaming?
1: I'd say masturbation and football. are the two.
0: <laughs> Slay the spire. Alone. Slay the, oh, you remember the name of the game. Unfortunately, yes.
1: Um, so this whole thing started with a TikToker named Jackie Labonita, who, according to Insider, had 258,000 followers. That has now ballooned significantly. Uh, she posted this video to TikTok. Katie, as you watch this, will you describe it to me? Watch my confidence disappear after these random girls make fun of me for taking pics. Okay, feeling my Spice
0: vibes. Okay, so we have a young woman. She is sitting in the stands. She is taking selfies, it looks like. And there are some people behind her, also young women. And they are, like, photobombing her. One of them is doing the bird, the finger bird. Um, She zooms in on that. And, um, yeah, that's it. There's more people behind her. There's some guys that are also possibly talking about her. Maybe not. One of the girls is now videoing her. Um, so it looks like a little, some Feeling girl on, girl. this is what they mean by girl on girl action, right?
1: <laughs> yep. I wanted to- uh, yeah. So yeah, this is apparently at an Astros game at mid Maid Park in Houston. Um, at one point, she clearly has someone holding the camera to video her. And she's like a little bit dolled up. And I don't know, I can imagine if I were sitting behind someone like that at a sporting event, and they were all dolled up and vamping for the camera for the sake of social media, I can't guarantee I wouldn't make fun of them if I was caught in the shot. What do you think?
0: Oh, you definitely would make fun of them. What would you do? <laughs> Me? I would just I – would, I would make fun of them in my mind. I'm too uh, – I don't like conflict though.
1: <laughs> you don't like conflict. Yeah,
0: there might be some – if you and I were involved in this, there might be some uh, racial dynamics at play that would put us in a losing position, I would say. So I would probably do – Absolutely nothing.
1: Jackie Labanita posts this video, which includes like her talking about how much she was hurt by it, as you could hear in that audio, in that weird TikTok voice I can never get used to. It's I so hate weird, that. yeah. Everyone starts freaking out about how horribly she was wronged. Um, this obviously percolated on TikTok, tens of millions of views. Twitter certainly threw some fuel on the fire. The video was posted by someone named at Cupid4June, accompanied by the text, Yeah, ain't nobody gonna survive if that shit happens to me. No one's gonna survive if they make fun of me on social media. That tweet Mm -hmm. got 90.5 million impressions. Jesus. So Cardi B then, quote, retweets it and says, quote, look, what they did was rude, but there's no need to bring violence into this. Folks should just relax and not take stuff so personally. I'm just kidding. She tweeted, quote, I would would have put that ring to use, end quote. The alleged victim here was wearing a very large and blingy ring, so I would have put that ring to use means I would have punched those girls in the face. Mm -hmm. That tweet got more than 30 million impressions. So I guess before we look at the aftermath, I should ask Katie, do you understand exactly why this set people off the way it did because i'm really struggling here
0: i absolutely don't i mean the girls in the background like just look like they're kind of making i mean they're just like having a good time i really don't understand the like flipping somebody off that's like a like a level of rudeness that's maybe exacerbates the situation but i mean it's a baseball game like what are you gonna do watch the fucking game it's boring
1: They did just literally institute a pitch clock to speed things up this yeah. year. That was like the big yeah. news. Uh, yeah, I this honestly reminded me a little bit of like the concept of honor culture, which like liberals view as sort of outdated. It's like the province of like white descendants of Scotsmen in the south, um, but it seems to be alive and well online. It's like it's this idea that attacks on your on- honor have to be vigorously defended. So is it is it
0: uh, okay? So I'm just gonna bring up race here. None of the people in this in this conflict were white. And what I'm saying is perhaps honor culture might not exist in like liberal, white, Newton, Massachusetts suburbs. But perhaps it exists not just online but within, for instance, I don't know, Latinx cultures.
1: I guess I'm looking at the video – I mean, I don't have my calipers with me, so I can't tell exactly what race they are. But I guess everyone involved is not white. So you think that... Yeah,
0: which I, I think that the racial dynamics here, had the racial dynamics been different, had, for instance, the the girl who posted the video, the victim of this bullying, had she been white and the women behind her making fun of her been brown, she would have been a Karen.
1: Oh, Look at this care. Yeah, I think you're right. Look at this Karen trying to film herself. We're making fun of her.
0: Right. Had it been the women making fun of a brown woman, been been white, that would have been like that. They would have been racist. They would have been white supremacy. Interesting. Okay. So I, so so the fact that everybody was was brown in this, I think, like as crazy as. This the fact that this is like a stupid TikTok video got shared so much, is you're going to tell us what happened. But I think because everybody was the same race, I think that takes an element of like absolute toxicity out of the story.
1: You think it could have been even worse if it had been better? Oh, race.
0: totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, imagine a white person posting this and like, and saying, like, get them, t- Twitter, do your thing or whatever. TikTok, yeah. do your thing. Karen, she's a Karen.
1: I just like, I can't imagine such a minor incident like a couple of girls who were probably drunk flipping the bird i just i can't get why that should warrant this sort of reaction and i so you're
0: saying that jewish gamers don't have honor culture
1: jewish gamers don't have honor culture that's a good question or honor we have our we have our own pathologies mostly having to do with our mothers but yeah it's very different (laughs) um i also i don't know man it also just it seems unhealthy to me like the way this influencer was like look how this damaged my self-esteem oh yeah When we were growing up, it's like if someone says dumb shit to you, ignore them. You're giving them power. It's like it's your choice to be offended. Who cares? Who are these girls? What do they have to do with you? You're a successful online influencer.
0: But do you think that her self-esteem was actually damaged by this or that she – and I'm asking you to mind read here – or that she just saw an opportunity to post?
1: Yeah, well, you know what? Content is king, baby. We know but we know from various experiences we've had that those two tend to blur into one another. Like if you keep acting yeah. like something over time, you sort of become that thing. Or like like when yeah. you've seen people freak out at you online, I think some of them actually feel the freak out is warranted in the moment, right? Oh uh, yeah, probably. They're wrong, but it's not it's not like strictly speaking designs. Of course they're on kid. You've never done that. Uh, yeah, you know, thank but, you. Um so all this was driven partly by the fact that like once something like this like this becomes an event everyone has to chime in like all sorts of random commentators need to have their say and that keeps things going for days and days so here's one example at the beginning of it you'll hear this user stitching in part of the initial video and then responding to it my confidence disappear after these random girls make fun of me for taking pics.
2: This video was really upsetting um and it always hurts me to see girls being mean to other girls and you know what we're all human like no person is perfect but i just think behavior like this is deplorable um and the girl who made this video she's beautiful even the girls in the back are also beautiful but maybe they're just not attuned to that um because it's very clear that they're operating out of insecurity when you're operating out of insecurity you are so unhappy with yourself and misery loves company. So you want to do any and everything possible to ensure that other people are also unhappy with themselves, especially in instances where you see that they are confident. They like their outfit. They want to show it off. They want to take cute photos. Your first thought, instead of thinking, Hmm, I admire her beauty because they do admire your beauty but because they're not comfortable with themselves their first thought and act is okay what can I do to make this person feel small because her sense of self is making me feel uncomfortable in this moment but the reason why they feel uncomfortable is because they're not self-assured period period so I would just encourage you to keep taking your photos keep sharing keep posting doing what you like to do and don't focus on people that like to hate because they're suffering enough by existing in a mind frame and mentality that lends them to think that the only way they can navigate the discomfort they feel within themselves is to make other people feel uncomfortable. That's a miserable existence. It really is. Truly confident and and happy people don't tend to do things like that. It's just reality, but keep doing you. You're beautiful. And we all just need to do better and be better people. Come on, this is very childish.
0: This woman seems like a future or current uh, self care counselor. <laughs> this is, uh, she, it's just like, I don't know, this is just, just like a lot of armchair psychoanalysis. It, what if the girls were just like fucking around?
1: They're just drunk. People have thrown the middle finger for like no reason. That's what makes it fun, is how unpredictable. <laughs> it
0: is. I'm doing it right now. Tomahawk chop and one arm, middle finger on the other.
1: <laughs> you could combine those two, actually. <laughs> I'm doing and then it now. you could give the finger. That's the only way to give the finger to someone to your left or right without them realizing.
0: Yeah, this is a good arm exercise. I just joined Planet Fitness. It's the home of the judgment free zone. I'm gonna try it there.
1: <laughs> Ma'am, that's racist. Uh, and you just tap the side. <laughs> no judgment. Thought this was judgment free. Did you actually join Planet Fitness? I did. Yes. What are you going to work out?
0: Uh, my entire body. What do you think? Like, my, I'm going there just for my ankles?
1: I go to a gym and I, all I do is the bike and the treadmill.
0: Oh, no. We're I'm doing do I'm it. doing full body.
1: Yeah. I, she calls the behavior deplorable, which is funny. <laughs> like, that doesn't really leave us with the language to describe actual deplorable stuff. Also, ignore the haters is not compatible with what you and everyone else are doing. But anyway, as a result of all this, this is – um this insider article by Andrew Lloyd, Andrew Lloyd. Is he a Weber? It's a great name. Classic American name. Um, Some users took it further and tried to track down and reveal the identities of the women featured in the video and shared their findings online in an act known as doxing... One TikTok seen by Insider, which showed a screenshot of a personal Instagram account purportedly belonging to one of the women, was viewed 6.9 million times. Jesus. Many more users circulated what they believed to be the identities of the women, including details such as where they studied at college, LinkedIn accounts, and businesses where they believed they were employed prompting internet users to leave a slew of one-star reviews on the company's Yelp page. So I'm going to downvote your company because I think someone who gave the finger to an Instagram inf- uh. Insider reached out to the business identified in several TikToks, but was unable to confirm whether either woman worked at the company. Insider was also unable to confirm whether the woman identified are, in fact, the women in the video and was unable to reach them for comment. One TikToker appeared to get caught in the doxing crossfire, as she said viewers mistook her for one of the women in the video. The uploader, who goes by at niceUU6, received 1.3 million views. When she stitched the TikTokers video on April 23rd and wrote in an on screen caption that she'd received insults for something she didn't do and asked people in her caption to stop harassing her and her mother. In a follow up video, she said she and her family had received so much abuse she had to private her Instagram account, but people simply took this as proof of her guilt. Quote, you can never win, end quote, she said in the video. That's a good way to wrap this up. You can never win with online bullshit. I guess my main takeaway is like, uh, I don't know, John Ronson, So You've Been Publicly Shamed came out in 2015. It does not feel like people have really uh, taken this lesson to heart. Things seem to have gotten significantly crazier, if anything. Did
0: you see Freddie DeBoer's column today? He argues the exact opposite
1: that things are getting better.
0: Yeah, and his his, he cites, so John Mulvaney has a new comedy special out, and apparently Watched it last night. Oh, really? Very funny. So apparently, was Dave Chappelle in the special? No. Okay, so apparently uh, Dave Chappelle Mulvaney, during his tour, he brought Dave Chappelle up on stage and Freddie was saying that he hasn't seen the level of outrage that you would have seen about this a year or two ago. I think that's true. I haven't seen any outrage about this, although I'm blocked by i think everybody who would have (laughs) would feel some outrage about this so freddie thinks that it's burning it out i mean all of this is is like totally anecdotal you could look at this astros tiktok scandal as as proof that it's not burning itself out john mulvaney is proof that it is it's really hard to quantify this stuff
1: maybe like some of the culture war stuff here and there but elsewhere no and i think people's overall like desire to engage in witch hunts hasn't gone down but I, I don't really have any way of quantifying that it's
0: such a human desire i mean yeah that's the thing you can't quantify and, and freddie was saying that like his argument is that people have realized that this doesn't work in the end that nobody cares that it's just he has a great line in the piece something like you can only tense a muscle for so long unless you go to planet fitness <laughs> judgment freeze zone. tense it as long as you want um Yeah, John's book. I mean, John's book was so prescient. Written in twenty fifteen or published in twenty fifteen, we didn't have the word cancel culture then. And he writes about the history of public shaming. How this isn't a a modern, just a modern day impulse. Of course, social media makes you know. We're not putting people in stocks in the town square. We're sharing them on TikTok instead.
1: There's been um. It's it's tangential, but uh, do you know the YouTube show Binging with Babish?
0: No. He's got a. He's a. This is what you're doing now that you're off Twitter. Mm-hmm. I heard
1: he's binging YouTube. No, he's. It's a really good cooking show. He's got like more than 10 million uh, followers. He had an ad. Uh, he must make a shit ton off of ads. He had an ad for Hogwarts Legacy, and everyone fucking went after. Him. Oh, not everyone. I shouldn't say that. A bunch of very angry people, like really, went after him because he's he's beloved by a lot of people. People have a very strong parasocial relationship to him because he's like a very engaging cooking guy who just seems liked by everybody. Um, he seems to have completely ignored that controversy. And then he was just on uh, the Adam Friedland show. Do you know what that is? I've heard of him, but yeah. I don't know what it is. It's come town. Why do they call it that? It's disgusting. Why do they call it come town? Let's shame them for that. I don't like it. That's a, that's a hot take. Um, but there's this thing where like, if you're influential enough, what are the consequences of just ignoring the bullshit? And so, as far as I know, like Babbitt, um, Andrew Ray is his name. I don't think he came out. And was like I'm letting the ad stay up because of free speech. He just literally ignored all of it, as I would imagine he will ignore people um, mad at him that he went on you know, the sequel to Come Town, which is seen as like incredibly offensive. So there's something to be said for just ignoring this shit, I think.
0: Yeah, there was a a controversy this week on Twitter. We're going to talk about this more on our next Primo episode about uh, this magazine, American Prospect, a a lefty magazine. They published an article that wasn't like throat clearing enough about Tucker Carlson's racism. And
1: they said he should be murdered, but not. Then not have his – you didn't mention he should have his corpse raped after. Right. People were really freaked out about it. Yeah. yeah,
0: people were really mad about that. And the publication responded by basically apologizing. This is not – Throwing
1: its own writers under the bus. It was ridiculous. We, we, we'll talk about it. Since.
0: Yeah, and the thing about this is that when you apologize for something like that, something when you haven't done something wrong – not only does it not really matter people don't accept apologies people don't care about apologies you alienate your defenders and we've seen this in case over case over case yeah so yeah the lesson here should be never apologize and also like don't go to Astros games
1: <sighs> don't go to Astros games don't be an influencer uh don't apologize Stay especially if track. you've done something wrong don't apologize all right katie anything else on any of this madness not for me this has been blocked reported As always, we're produced with help from Tracing Woodgrains and the mysterious Lex. Thanks to them both. I'm Jesse Single. And remember, my honor culture is not your costume.
0: And I'm Katie Herzog. And also remember, if any TikTokers happen to capture a very cute golden doodle humping a very fat yellow Labrador, it's not sexual assault. It's just air rape.